You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am your host, Evie Rupp. Now, as you may have heard, my co-host and my best friend, Lindsay, is currently walking through a miscarriage. So she's taking the next few weeks off of the podcast to heal and recover. So I will be taking over this solo on this show for the next few weeks for you. So feel free to send your love and your prayers Lindsay's way, and she will be back super soon to party with us again. All right, so today I have a big treat for you. I invited on one of my favorite people to join me on today's episode. Rachel Hanna is a former teacher turned executive assistant who is my right-hand woman. She also happens to be the executive assistant for Lindsay and the Hart University. So basically, she does every single thing for us. I'm not joking, well, kind of, but I cannot say this enough that she saves us so much time saves our lives and saves our sanity. I literally could not do work without her and I would have way less of a life without this woman (laughs) working with me and alongside me. So today, Rachel and I are going to be diving into a conversation all about organization. So if there's anyone in the world that I would consider a master of this, it is Rachel. So we'll talk about today the four things that we, in conversation, were thinking are most vital to mastering organization and saving time in your life, including tips to utilizing schedules, how to stay focused, the importance of play, I know, shocking, right? And meal planning to your weeks. I am honestly so excited for this conversation because Rachel and I are extreme opposites in personality. She is naturally so structured and organized, an Enneagram 1, while I'm naturally a hot mess express, Enneagram 7. So I feel that we both bring really different perspectives to organization that I think will help anyone out there who's wanting to learn how to master it. Trust me, if I can learn how to be organized and embrace structure, then you can too. So without further ado, let's get started with today's show. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Okay, Rachel, welcome to today's show. I feel like I'm welcoming on a guest, but I'm like low-key not, so (laughs) this is going to be fun. I'm excited to have you. (laughs) I am so excited to be chatting with you guys about this today. It's such a fun topic, which most people don't equate organization with fun, but yes, (laughs) When you you do. There's like, it's a stress reliever. You don't have to worry about it. I love it. Tell people about your spice drawer really fast before you start. <laughs> okay. I got this encouragement and inspiration from Cena Nelson, actually. She Instagram storied her gorgeous spice rack. And so I bought all these really pretty spice jars from Amazon and labels. And all of them are pretty and they're alphabetized. And there's an entire <laughs> alphabetized drawer. <laughs> Literally, we were on Zoom yesterday and you were like, Rachel was carrying her computer, like showing me her spice drawer because it was bringing her so much joy. She's like, look at it, Evie. (laughs) Well, now when I cook and I open that, it's pretty and aesthetic and it doesn't cause me stress. So I, I, I get it. I totally get it. I just think it's very entertaining how much you love organization. So it's going to be really, really fun to talk about it today. (laughs) All right. So as we're like getting started, I kind of wanted to 
touch on really quickly why organization is important and why Rachel and I, when we were brainstorming this show, we kind of wanted to talk about this. So just a few thoughts, topics, bullet points for you of if you're sitting there listening to this episode and you're like, why does organization even matter? I get plenty done in my days. I, you know, I work hard. I have a successful life or business or whatever. If you're thinking that, or maybe you're just like, I need motivation to understand why I should be working towards organization. A couple of things for you to keep in mind. One, organization keeps your brain focused. When you have a lot of other things going on and a lot of thoughts and and to-dos and tasks and everything swirling around in your brain, you're not able to focus on anything, which leads to, number two, you don't get as much done. So when you're organized, you're able to get more done and your brain is able to be more focused, which leads to less stress. Number three is you enjoy life more when stuff isn't hanging over your head. Who can relate to sitting in bed, laying down, like ready to go to sleep, but you're so stressed all of a sudden with this random thought that pops into your head and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot such and such. I needed to do that X date. That kind of stress is unnecessary. If you know how to embrace organization, that's like not going to be dealing with that cloud hanging over your head anymore. So Rachel, do you, I feel like you have something to say to that. <laughs> no, I mean, everything you're saying is just right on the head. And there have been times where I've been laying in bed and like, oh my gosh, did I do that? And then I literally m- remember myself like checking that box on my to-do mm-hmm. list. And I'm like, it was done. I got it. Yep. Well, and I think it's important too to realize there are so many different ways of organization, but I have a notebook beside my bed. And if a thought does pop up that for some reason I did forget in my to-do lists or my structures or whatever, I'm able to reach over, grab a pen and paper and write it down and then go to sleep. And that type of simple organizational hack, I call it my dump list. It's like beside my bed. It keeps me focused on, you know, whatever I'm doing in that moment, which in that moment would be rest and sleep, which is super important. Yes. Um, So yes, the couple final things to like throw out there, you have more time to do other things in your life when you're able to stay organized. So you're able to focus on play or family or work or rest or whatever, when you're actually structured with your life. And then you're able, this is a big one, you're able to have more of an impact on the world when you're not scrambling and lost 24-7. That's one of the biggest things for me that I found really motivated me to focus on organization and structure in my life. As a, a seven, I am like naturally the most unstructured person in the world. Rachel can tell you this when she first came on as my assistant. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're in box. <laughs> So many gray hairs from your inbox. I apologize. I will pay for whatever you need to de-stress from that situation. <laughs> but Rachel can can testify to the fact that naturally I am very, very unstructured. But over the past few years, I've really learned to embrace it. And I've learned that I'm able to get more done, to enjoy life more, to have more time for rest, relaxation, fun, friends, relationships. And I do feel that my ability to impact the world, to volunteer with my church or whatever, I have more capacity to do things that matter to me in my life, including my work when I'm organized and structured. So I just wanted to start off with anyone who's starting to listen to this episode, maybe rolling their eyes or maybe intimidated getting into the topic of organization, 
why it's so important and why you might want to really dive into this episode today and embrace it with Rachel and I. (laughs) All right. So Rachel, I know that this isn't technically a guest interview. We're more of just like team heart chatting and going through organization and friend chat and all of that. But for anyone who doesn't know you, hasn't met you at a workshop or anything like that, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, tell a little bit about yourself, about your story, about your wonderful family, all of that good stuff. Um, Okay. So I'm Rachel. I work from home for Lindsay Evie and the Heart, and I absolutely love it. Um, But it's not what I was originally called to do. Um, I actually was a teacher prior. I was a teacher for about five or six years, and I absolutely loved it. I taught sixth and seventh grade, which a lot of people say, oh my gosh, how did you do middle school? But I loved my middle schoolers. They were the absolute best. Um, but then we found out we were moving to Hawaii and I didn't want to work 50 or 60 hours a week planning and grading and all of the in-class things and all of the outside of class things. There's a lot. Go thank a teacher. I'm just going to say, go thank a teacher (laughs) right now because they deserve it, especially with COVID. And then I had a friend who had transitioned into virtual assisting and I started doing that. And then I met Lindsay on Oahu through a mutual friend and she was like, hey, you're a VA and are you taking on new clients? I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> and then Lindsay introduced me to Evie a couple of months later when she was on Oahu and Evie was like, hey, you're a VA. Are you taking on new clients? <laughs> I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> and then they started the heart together and it's just been such a great journey to be able to work with these awesome ladies. Ugh, we love having you on our team. I literally, Lindsay and I talk all the time. We're like, we wish we could clone you. That would just, <laughs> I feel like the world's problems would be solved if we could clone Rachel. So <laughs> it's a team effort. Good it stuff. really is. I love it. We have such a fun team. So let's dive on in. Rachel, do you want to talk a little bit? When we were brainstorming yesterday, the first thing that we noticed was coming up in our conversation of organization was schedules. So do you want to talk to us and get started on point number one of the first step you can take to master your organization, schedules? And if you're going to take anything away from our conversation today, I think this might be one of the strongest ones because you're not going to be able to do all of this at once. That's just not feasible. But if you can take the step of starting to create a schedule for yourself and your family, that's going to make everything else we talk about today fall into place a lot easier. Um, I have two kids. I have a 10 and um, almost eight-year-old. Um, We have school, we have music lessons, we've got sports practices, I work from home, my husband's really busy. We have a hard bedtime every night between 8 and 8.30 for my kids. And they've always been really good sleepers, so I'm blessed with that. But consistently, ever since they were born, they've always had a pretty structured bedtime routine. We do the same thing every night. We go in, we read with them, we have some time with them, and then they're in bed. They're asleep at 8.30, which is so nice because then it gives me and my husband intentional time together as a couple. You know, we have an hour we can sit down and watch a TV show or just sit on the back deck and talk. But that time together as a couple is so rejuvenating. So that's Mm -hmm. something that I really value. Wake up time is roughly the same Every day, I wake up at around 6, 6.15. Kids are up at 6.45. And they are so self-sufficient right now, which is so nice. They can wake up and they can make their own breakfast and they can start getting themselves dressed because we have that routine. We have that schedule. They know what to do. And so we're out of the house at school and then I come home and then I get dressed 
I'm at my desk and I'm ready to work every day by around 9 a.m. It's very rare that I'm not at my desk by 9. And then I batch work. I work for um, one either Lindsay or then Evie and then the heart. And then it's time to go pick them up from school. So, and then we do the sports practices and that, and then dinner and then bedtime again. So it's really nice to be able to know what every day is going to bring. So I'm not panicking, trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what is today going to hold? Because I already know. So good. And I think it's important too, even if you don't have kids or you don't have family, like I have a very hard shut off work time as well so that I can have time to rest, to read, to go to the beach, to clean my house, to go to the park with Copper, to hang out with Landon. You know, there's hang out with a friend. I think it's important, even if you're not dealing with a whole family and a whole household that you're running, like Rachel, you still have those schedules and that still leads to the peace, the flexibility, the productivity, and the confidence of what you're doing each and every day. And you're able to wake up every day with a game plan. And I think that's such a game changer when you know what you're doing and you know why you're doing it every single day. It's so much easier to stick to those routines. That's so true. And what we need to realize is this routine and the schedule did not pop up overnight. Like we did not just all of a sudden have this. It took a lot of seasons of transition in order to get this where we are. I mean, when my kids were two and four, we did not have the same kind of routine, but we did what worked for us in that season. And as we grow and change, our routines grow and change. It should be dynamic. That's so good. I think it's so important too. And like something that I wanted to mention to anyone who's listening, experiment with your own schedules. When we're talking about schedules, just figure out your best morning routine, your best afternoon routine, your best evening routine. See what works best for you, your family or your lifestyle and your personality. So notice, you know, what times of day you feel the most inspired and focused. Notice what, you know, if there's constantly something something coming up in the afternoons for you that's distracting you that you always have a phone call at a certain time of day or you're always wanting to go on a walk at a certain time of day, build that into your schedule, build that into your routine. I think it's just important to realize that every single person's routine is going to be different. Every single family's lifestyle is going to be different. So figuring out what works best for you that keeps everything flowing, organized, structured, and able to stay on track and on task is like the most important thing in this area. And also something that's so vital to realize is to not try to force yourself into something that's unnatural for you. I am not a morning person by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, getting up at 6 to 6.15 is miserable for me. I would so much rather sleep in. (laughs) But I'm more of a night owl. So I'm not going to be harsh on myself for not waking up at 5.30 and getting a run in and being completely ready to go by 6.15. Like you can't do that to yourself. Just know how you naturally function and then make your routine and your schedule from there. Mm -hmm. I think it's also amen to all of that, tagging on to that. It's important that you do experiment because I know a lot of people, including myself, who vehemently believed that I was a night owl. And I do think I'm naturally more, that's my natural bent is to be a night owl. But when I experimented with a morning routine, very early wake-ups, going to bed early, I realized I actually enjoyed life more. I was able to be more focused. I was able to get more done. Like I shocked myself with the reality 
that I actually can be a morning person, even though naturally I tend to be more of a night owl. It's way easier for me to stay up late and get up late than it is for me to get on an early schedule. But in that that experimentation process, I realized I actually, in this season of life at least, love mornings way more than I ever thought. So don't just believe that like, oh, I'm not naturally a morning person or, oh, I'm not a night owl or whatever. Experiment around and see, give it all a shot, I think is my bottom line. Like try it out and then see what happens from there. Oh, absolutely agreed. I tried for probably a good three months or so to be a morning person. And it was just, it was not good. It was a disaster. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Rachel, we'll talk to us maybe a little bit about Sunday evenings. Cause I know we both kind of have a similar routine with our Sunday evenings. So getting your schedules in place, talk to us about that. Okay. So because I manage so many different virtual calendars, I had gotten to a point where I was starting to miss events because it was in this calendar, but not this calendar and this, that, and the other. So just the nature of my work, I actually switched back to a paper planner. I've got this amazing Erin Condren horizontal planner. So the top row is work. I put all of my meetings, everything like that. The middle row is family. So if the children have doctor's appointments or if they have tutoring or if they have music, that goes in there. And the bottom level is my personal um, events and appointments and things like that. So I will sit down on Sunday and this is very dedicated time that I make time for. I will open all of my virtual calendars and I will pull all of my meetings, all of my events, and I write it down in my planner. And then I talk to my husband, figure out what he's got going on that week. So I'll put that in my planner, make sure that all of my kids' appointments are in there. It takes me probably 30 to 45 minutes, but that time that I spend saves me so much sanity during the week because I don't have to figure out, oh my gosh, is that meeting on Wednesday or on Thursday? And what time was that meeting? Because I've took I've taken the time to put it all so I can just look at it that day and have my day completely planned out. Yes. I do the exact same thing. I typically use just a pen and paper though. And I go through with Google Calendar and then a pen and paper. And I look at my week. What kind of meetings do I have? What kind of big tasks uh, do I have due during the week? You know, whether that's a collab with a company or a due date, like example, this week, when I was looking at this week, I knew I had to record a few podcast episodes this week for the next few weeks while Lindsay's out of office. So that was a big task on my list that I scheduled into my week. And I think when I plan that on Sunday evenings and know exactly what's going into my week, what I have meetings, when I need to be hanging out with friends, when I'm going to be, you know, taking a trip or traveling for something. It helps me so much to actually get stuff done, to have that space to take time off. And I wake up every single morning knowing exactly what's on my agenda for that day, which keeps me motivated and moving. And I think that one of the most common questions I get is, how do you stay motivated? How do you, you know, stay structured? That's a whole other conversation. I want to have a conversation at some point about the difference between motivation and discipline. But motivation, genuinely, a lot of it comes from knowing where you're moving and why. So if I wake up on a morning and I have no structure and no plan, naturally, I'm going to just lollygag around for a while and, you know, slowly maybe take copper out and, oh, you know what? 
I'm just going to watch a, a show while I cook my breakfast or something like that. And then I get hooked into the show and I watch one or two. And then I, like when I don't have that structure, I notice I get nothing done and I don't feel as good. Whereas when I wake up and I know, okay, I have this, this, this due before noon. And then I have these meetings and then I'm going to stop work at four and then I can relax. That keeps me so motivated every single morning of I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and I'm moving towards a goal. So I think that's something really important to realize. Schedules aren't just, you know, do this at this time and make sure this is done at this time. It's actually keeping you on track and motivated to keep working. Yeah. The few times where I have not taken that time on a Sunday, I have felt the entire week like I was spinning my wheels and I was just treading water trying to keep my head above. And so I stopped and then I took the hour that it that it needed to plan out my week. And immediately I felt so much better because I knew what was coming up. And then um, something that I feel like we need to make sure we're aware of, especially with COVID, is that we're not always available. You cannot be available 24 hours a day. So just having those boundaries and making sure Mm -hmm. that you have a hard stop and that you are making time for your friends, for your family to walk the dog, just that intentional time for yourself, because otherwise you're going to burn out. It's so true. Yeah. So build in time where you're not working and you're not available for the world to get a hold of you. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But when you're building your schedules, when you're paying attention to your schedules, make sure you're not just on 24-7 for everyone to get a hold of you. Yeah. All right. So point number one was the importance of schedules and us kind of chatting through our schedules and little tips for making sure you have one that works for you. First of all, experiment around, see what works. Secondly, notice the times of day that you feel the most inspired and focused and build your work and life schedule around that. And then third, don't be afraid to set aside intentional time at the beginning or end of every week to plan out each week. Lindsay and I, lols. Rachel and I both use Sunday evenings to plan out our weeks and that works so, so well for us. So that's point number one. Number two is how to stay focused and staying focused with organization. So Rachel, do you want to start us off? Yes. So it can be really hard to stay focused sometimes. And still every now and then I catch myself like falling into the trap of being distracted. And so I really make intentional time to do the same kind of work order with my clients every day so that again, it's a routine. Um, Generally, what I do is I work with the heart first, just because those have time zones all over the world. So I want to make sure that I have all of that taken care of first. Um, I generally start with my email inbox. Um, It's easy because that's something that isn't deep work. It's just like, oh, let me just send off this email really quickly. Let me clean up the inbox. Let me make sure I'm attending to everything. And then once I've got those shallow tasks out of the way, I'll really do the deeper, more intense tasks because my brain is already working. And so then I'm able to let it go deeper. So then I'll get tasks completed with that. And then I'll switch over to Evie because Evie's in Pacific. So then I'll, again, I will do her email inbox and then I'll start deep tasks for her. And then I'll switch over to Lindsay because Lindsay's in Hawaii. Again, start out with the email inbox, start out with the, the more shallow tasks and then dive into the deeper projects for Lindsay as well. 
And I think what's super interesting to this is that everyone handles this differently because when Rachel and I were brainstorming and talking through, you know, how does she stay focused? How does she, you know, handle her work in the mornings and all of that? She told me that, that she handles her shallow work first and then her deep work. And I ideally do the opposite. So I try to wake up in the morning and handle a deep work task first. So for example, this morning I woke up and I worked on outlining a few more podcast episodes for this week. And then I went into my email inbox and then into my Slack and then into my texts and all of that. But I tend to stay more focused on my deep work tasks when I haven't I feel like when I, the description I gave Rachel yesterday was like, when I open my email inbox first thing in the morning, I feel like my attention goes from laser focus to like completely scattered and shattered. And it's like this whole like, like, I feel like my brain just falls apart when I look at that type of stuff first thing in the day. Um, So for me, it works best for me to focus on one or really deep work intense, you know, I need to focus on this, give it all of my attention. I'm usually feeling the most inspired and the most productive in the morning. So I focus on that. And then mid morning, I typically give myself a break and focus on emails and Slack and make sure nothing is super important and urgent and then continue with some deep work tasks. And then towards like late afternoon, I actually handle my full email inbox and Slack and all of that stuff. And see, that's just so funny because I'm so opposite. I would not be able to do a deeper task because my brain would be thinking, oh, did I send that email? Did that person respond to my email? Did I get all of these little tasks done? So for me, getting all the little things out of my brain gives my brain the space to really dive into something. So it's Mm -hmm. just so fun to know that there's not a right way to do something. There's a right way for you to do something. Yes, that's so good. I think that's like so important to realize too, is you need to know how you work. That is a prime example of two people, Rachel and I, who are both, I mean, I feel like Rachel still has me solidly on the organization side, but we're both (laughs) pretty organized at this point. We're both pretty productive. But both of us handle that structure in completely different ways because that fits our personalities. So I think that's important to realize even while we're chatting through this, take it as an encouragement to figure out how you work best and how you're able to stay focused. And then something I didn't mention when I was talking about my um, work order with my clients earlier is I don't go throughout the entire day without taking a break. So I'll do my work Mm -hmm. for the heart and then I'll stop for 10 or 15 minutes. I'll go outside and just kind of walk around, get some fresh air. I might make a snack. I might do some sort of personal task that I have, like fold some laundry or something and give my brain that time to just disengage. And then Mm -hmm. when I switch over to Evie, when I'm done with her tasks, again, I'll stop, I'll make lunch. You have to let yourself kind of disengage so that you can fully re-engage. You cannot be on for eight hours, 10 hours without giving your time, your brain time to rest. It's so true. I mean, there are so many scientific studies and I feel like Lindsay and I have talked about this before on the podcast, but your brain, the human brain on average is only able to actually lock in and focus on a task for 60 to 90 minutes. So if you're working for longer than an hour to an hour and a half, 60 to 90 minutes without taking a break, you're actually basically shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to productivity. You're not getting as much done. There are rare times when I would say you're able to really lock in for like two-ish hours, but make sure that for the most part, the majority, wow, I can't talk today. For the most part, 
you're working for 60 to 90 minute stretches and then taking 10 to 15 minute breaks. So do not just work without pausing. It actually is not helping yourself when it comes to productivity and scheduling that in, organizing in times for breaks is so important. That's so true. So true. Whenever I make myself like have an intense long work day, I'm always so drained at the end. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my brain is just mush and that takes away my family time. So just 10 minutes in one space will give you an hour in another space. Uh, It does so good. I'll also say the other day, because I'm very, very busy with work right now, handling a lot of different launches and a lot of different things. And I worked the other day pretty much nonstop. I took a couple of short breaks throughout the day, but I worked pretty much nonstop from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., which I do not ever do anymore. I usually am working from about 9 to 4, 9 to 5. Uh, and I worked super hard and I did about four days worth of deep work tasks. So it was about four times my normal amount of deep work in a single day. And because I just had a lot of deadlines, a lot of things, and I was like, okay, I'm going to push through. I'm going to get all this done. The next day, my brain was still fried and I wasn't able to actually get any work done the next day. And I was reminded of why it's not actually smart or healthy or beneficial to try to cram everything into one day that spreading it out actually gets more done. Because the next day, I wasn't able to honestly do anything beyond a bunch of shallow work, which is fine. But I think if I'd split up my days, the the big cram day would have been a lot more uh, enjoyable and doable if I'd split it between that day and the next day. So just a reminder that pushing everything into one day and trying to get all sorts of stuff done and not taking breaks actually hurts you not only later that evening with time with family, with time for rest, but also it hurts you throughout the week as your productivity goes downhill the more you try to do. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you create so much content you often feel stuck? Uh Uh-huh. Between blog posts, Instagram captions, free recreation, email campaigns, there is so much writing, right? Freaking yes. I've definitely been there and I know how frustrating it can be to feel like you have nothing to talk about. So if you're consistently staring at a blank screen and blinking cursor, we wanted to give you an entirely free guide we just created for you. Guys, our content creation guide is pages of content ideas that you can use to write meaningful captions, blog posts, and more that connect with your ideal audience and create that value and trust that's so vital in order to sell successfully. You can use our ideas directly. There are dozens of them that you can immediately pull from, or you can use them to trigger new ideas for your content creation process. This freebie is so jam-packed that Lindsay and I even go back and reference it when we feel stuck. It that good, fam. If you're sick of not posting or creating any content because your brain feels empty every time you step up to the plate, uh, um, the keyboard, then we got you. Bye-bye, writer's block. Hello, value-filled content. Go to www.theheartuniversity.com slash content or click the link in the show notes. Now go kick some butt and create some content. Hey, Heart fam. We had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. 
It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part. <laughs> HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Okay, so we've been talking about work order and breaks and deep work and shallow work. But the truth is none of that is going to get done if you have your phone right next to you and it's not on silent and you get distracted with Instagram or you get distracted with a text message. What I almost always do is I take my phone, I put it on silent, and I put it in a completely different room because I will. I'll pick it up to answer a text message, and then I see, oh, somebody commented on my Instagram, and then I lost 15 minutes to Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. what the, re- the reason I'm able to do that is because I have my Slack on my computer. I have my um, iPhone is connected to my computer and my messages. So anything that I actually need to put eyes on, I don't need my phone for. It's all on my computer. So making that step of taking your phone out of the equation is going to make you so much more focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have a little bit of tough love for anyone listening to this. Not only should you be putting your phone on silent and putting it in the other room when you're really trying to focus on work and stay focused and organized, but please shut the TV and the podcast off. Stop watching a movie while you're editing. Stop, you know, watching TV while you're answering emails. Okay, I will say everyone is obviously different. I think some people truly can handle a movie or a show or a podcast in the background, but I just so strongly encourage trying to eliminate it for at least a week and see if your productivity and your focus is able to go up. Because I think a lot of people are so used to that type of stimulation and and input coming in in the background that you think you're getting a lot done because you're able to, you're used to that. So you're able to focus. But I bet a, a lot of people listening to this right now, if you actually shut out those types of distractions, you will be much more focused and able to get a lot more done. I agree. I can't do anything with words. Like even music with words Mm -hmm. will distract me. And so I'll just have Pandora playing like film scores radio or classical music or something like that. I can't do a complete silence. It sounds so crazy, but I get distracted (laughs) if it's too quiet. But having just that low key in the background helps me to stay focused on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that's another area where we're slightly different. For the most part, I'm able to listen to music with lyrics as long as it's not like new and exciting music that I just really want to like listen to. Uh, If it's an older playlist that I've created, I'm used to the songs, I'm used to the lyrics, I can listen to that. But 
there are certain tasks when I'm really trying to focus like that day, uh, this week when I was doing like four days worth of deep work in one day, I had to turn on, I put on, uh, like worship without words. It's like instrumental worship basically. And that's something that when I'm reading, when I'm, you know, handling a lot of stuff like that, a lot of deep work in one day, I can't handle lyrics. So same thing, slightly different, but Yes. I think even if you think you're able to fo- focus better with TV or a podcast or something, there is such a strong likelihood that your brain is going way slower and is split focused because it's trying to handle and focus on two things at once. It's trying to b- absorb what's going on on the TV, whether you consciously realize that ha- that's happening or not. So pay attention to that and those distractions that you think are normal and that you're used to having in your life and try eliminating those for about a week and see if your productivity and your focus is able to go up. And if it's not, totally fine, integrate it back in. But I bet a lot of people will be really surprised that their focus goes through the roof when you eliminate those kinds of distractions. Yeah, 2000% agree. And then something else that I've really, really found helps me to be focused is to have a designated workspace. Um, we just moved from Hawaii, which I'm so sad, but we have a house now that has a dedicated office space, which has been a game changer for me. So mm-hmm. I have a desk and I have a standing desk and I have one specific spot, one room that is work. So mm-hmm. that's something that I would highly encourage everyone to have. Not everyone is going to have the luxury of a home office, but have a space in your home somewhere where you can have a desk or a chair or some sort of situation so that that's work. You equate Mm -hmm. that with work. Yeah. I think Lindsay and I have talked about this before, but I strongly encourage do not work from the couch. Do not work from bed. Do not work from bed. If you're listening to this and you constantly work from bed, Unless that is your only piece of furniture in your home and it's a temporary situation where you're sitting on your bed because there's nothing else you could possibly sit on, do not work from your bed. Please, I am begging you. A couple of reasons, but I know we've probably talked about this before on the podcast, but working from your place of rest, working in your room and working in specifically your bed is going to cross wires and mix signals in your brain for when it's time to work and when it's time to rest. So when you're going to try to work and you're setting up in bed, your brain is is fighting itself over, okay, wait, am I supposed to be decompressing and sleeping right now and resting and shutting off? Or am I supposed to be engaging and working? And then when you go to sleep, your brain is doing the exact same thing. Am I supposed to be working right now? Am I supposed to be waking up? Or am I supposed to be slowing down, disengaging and resting? It's going to be cause you to not be able to sleep as well at night, not be able to rest. And also you're not going to have that clear cutoff between work and rest and work and, and relaxation. So that's one of the number one things I will say, please do not work from your bed. Uh, it also your posture. I, we've talked about this in how to be more productive. I'll have to pull up the episode, but please do not slouch when you're working. So have some sort of sitting up desk chair. I work most of the time from my dining nook. That's basically like my office and it allows me to sit up straight. It's a specific space that I know I step into in the morning when I'm stepping into work. And then when I'm done with work during the at the end of the day, I step away from that space. And it also allows me to be able to shut, turn on and shut off from work. Yeah. And that's so very vital. I mean, our brains are actually pretty basic when you think of it. Your brain equates a bed with sleep, you know? So, and that's not 
that that's what we should do. And we should continue to have our brain equate a designated workspace with work because then you'll just, your focus is going to increase when you have that. So even if you have like a tiny yeah. one bedroom apartment, there is somewhere I'm sure that you can have a workspace and then you can step away mm-hmm. and then you're done. Amen. If you want to hear a little bit more about workspace, posture, all of that, that Lindsay and I have covered in a previous episode, go listen to episode number 22, five ways to be more productive. And we dive in a little bit more there. So moving on, that was point number two, staying focused, how to structure organization into focus. So set up routines almost within your focus. What Rachel has, she has a work order with her her clients. She works on her shallow work first, then her deep work. I do the opposite, but that's part of the joy of learning how you focus best in your work and then eliminating as many distractions as possible by actually physically walking your phone to another room, leaving it out of your sight. I promise you, you will save so much time and having a designated workspace that is organized and structured for you to be able to accomplish the most amount of work. So number three, the third step that you can take to master organization is schedule time for play. So Rachel, you want to take this one away? Yes. And this kind of goes back to the point that we made earlier that you can't be on all of the time. You've got to give your brain and your body time to rest. You've got to take those breaks. You've got to have intentional downtime. And that extends past work. You need to have time where you don't have any requirements and you don't have any expectations because then your brain can really just be creative and free and you're going to be more productive in the long run. You know, our time that we really try to um, save the, away from work are Friday afternoons and the weekends. That is pretty much uninterrupted family time in our house with very, very few exceptions. Yeah, I think I do very, very similar things. I have all of the evenings in my life are typically for me to do whatever I want. And I either read or... I work on a project around my house or I hang out with Landon. I go to the beach. I hang out with a friend. I hang out with Copper. I go for a hike. I do something that brings me a rest, joy, recharges me. And the weekends as well are so important to me. So make sure that you're scheduling intentional time where you have no plan, where you have times during your days or your weeks when you can do whatever you want. You can nap, read, paint, dance, get outside, whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment. I think it's so important to allow yourself time, not just during your work days, not just, this isn't just like breaks because we've already talked a lot about that before. We're not really going to talk about that more actually scheduling a few hours of time for you to just allow yourself to play, to relax. Because honestly, when you're able to play, you're able to work better. So play hard, work hard is like my life's philosophy. I believe in that so firmly. So make sure you're scheduling that into your life and having organized time for yourself to recharge through play. Yeah, that's so true. And it's so funny because we're saying organized time for play, that's actually something that we, I still schedule it in, which is funny. So the play for us this weekend is we're going to go to a pumpkin patch. You know, we've scheduled time, but that's open free family time. So even though you're still putting it in your planner or writing it on your calendar, 
that's just that time for you guys to disconnect and be together. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important to realize when Rachel and I were kind of chatting about the importance of play. And I actually have a book uh, in my closet right now that I'm like looking at. Um, It's called Play and I have it. I'm ready to read it because it's talking about the importance of play and the scientific studies behind why it's so important, even as adults, that we encourage imagination and play and how much it affects our work and our life. Anyways, I'm excited to read that. But Rachel and I were chatting about this and she was bringing up, I have to organize time for play and for relaxation because otherwise I'll forget to do it. And I was kind of chuckling because I'm the opposite where I have to organize time for play and relaxation because otherwise I will only do that. (laughs) It's very easy for me to be the person that's like, Oh yeah. A friend wants to go to the beach today. Yes, of course. Like I'm going to like, let's just take the day off. And there are still times to do that. There's still flexibility with that. I love doing that. It's the joy of being self-employed, being in control of my own schedule and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I do that too much, I notice one, I don't enjoy work as much. Two, I don't get as much done. And three, I don't enjoy my time off as much because it's not actually built into my time. So I've learned I need to control these specific blocks of time when I can do whatever I want. Sometimes I schedule what I'm going to be doing in those free times. Sometimes I don't. I just let myself go with the flow. But it allows me to enjoy each part a lot more. Uh, I still have that flexibility to go hang out with a friend if I want to. So that was just something Rachel and I were laughing at, like the difference between the two of us scheduling it in. She's like, I have to make time for it. And I'm like, I have to make not too much time for it. And then something that I've learned, especially as a type one, I always want to say, oh yes, I can do that. Oh, I can get that done. So for me to make space for play, and I know that you and Lindsay have touched on this before, I've had to start saying no to a lot more things. Yeah. So if everybody's like, oh, can you get this done by Monday? I'm like, mm, let me push it until Tuesday because I don't want to have to work on the weekend. And again, that's the joy of working from home and kind of setting your own schedule. Sometimes you have to say no, or sometimes you have to say, oh, I need some more time on that. And that's a healthy thing Mm -hmm. to say. So don't be afraid to say no so that you have that time for yourself and your family and your friends and all of that. Yes. So good. Okay. So in mastering organization in your life, do not forget to schedule in time to play. I promise it'll help you in every single area of life. Enjoy life more, enjoy work more, work harder, play harder. So do not forget to schedule that time in. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about in ways to master your organization, steps to master your organization. Rachel is a queen at this. I suck at this. So we're going (laughs) to chat with Rachel about this time. Rachel, talk to us about meal planning. (laughs) Okay, this is something that took me a little while to really jump on this bandwagon. But during my Sunday weekly planning, I meal plan. It took me about maybe six months to get a really good solid base of recipes. But um, what I do is on Sunday when I'm planning out the week, I will look. And again, in my planner in the notes section, I have a list of probably... 30 recipes or so that I'm still adding to that I'll just flip open to that and I'll look and I'm like, oh, we haven't had this one in a while. We haven't had this in a while. We haven't had this in a while. And I'll just go through and write what we're having for dinner every day. And so again, that gives me the confidence during the day. 
when the kids are hungry and I'm trying to get everything ready for the next day and they're like, mom, what's for dinner? I'm not spending that 20 minutes digging through the pantry and digging through the freezer to see what I can throw together. I already know what we're going to have. And it's just, it it's, takes the stress out of every day, which is so wonderful. Um, it does. It takes me maybe again, 30 minutes um, on a Sunday to sit down and make my grocery list and make my meal plan. And then I do like a Kroger um, click list order. I just look at what I need for those recipes, put it in my Kroger click list, and then schedule pick up Monday morning after the um, boys get out of school. So I'll drop them off at school and then I'll head over to Kroger and they load it up for me. It's amazing. It's the best. And it saves so much stress and so much time. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those life tasks that you can organize that I think there's so many life tasks that you can organize and structure and, and built in. So we're not going to dive into all of those, but I think this is one of the biggest ones that saves you so much time and energy and also helps you eat well and, you know, be nourished and, and fed. And I still need to work on all of this, but, <laughs> but I know the importance of it, even if I'm still working on mastering it. <laughs> And then it's so fun because I like adding to my recipes, but something that is a staple on our household is Taco Tuesday. Like every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. Some weeks it's fish tacos. Some weeks it's like loaded um, loaded nachos. Some weeks we do just regular plain tacos, but it's so easy to mix that up, but still knowing Taco Tuesday. Like I don't even have to think about what to add to the grocery list for that because it's just there in my head. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, for somebody who's listening and is like, okay, cool. So you have your list of recipes, but I don't. I need to get started with a list. What recommendations do you have for somebody wanting to get into meal planning, wanting to get started with a list? Okay, so everybody has a Pinterest board with food on it. So go there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I like doing is I'll type into Pinterest like healthy 30-minute meals because I do not have an hour and a half to like custom prepare a meal for my family. No, we do a lot of fresh and things like that. But just go into Pinterest, find some recipes that you're actually going to cook. Okay, that's the biggest thing. Everybody has these boards full of these like fancy gourmet meals with these weird, crazy ingredients. If you don't know what the ingredient is and you know you're not going to find it at your local grocery store, don't put it on your Pinterest board. Not for your regular (laughs) meals. (laughs) But just look, find a handful of recipes that you actually think that you'll cook that will be easy and then try them. And if you like them, start making a list of the ones that you're actually going to use. And then it's going to grow from there. Um, Pop into Barnes and Noble. They have those, um, the bargain books, like the bargain recipe books. Look through those. And again, see if you have five, six recipes in that book that you actually think you're going to cook. If there are, buy it, take it home, and then add those to your list. You can go to a Goodwill, a Salvation Army, a thrift store. But my rule of thumb is if there's not at least five or six recipes in that book that you think you're going to use, don't buy it. Because then it's just going to sit on your shelf and take up space, and then you're going to get annoyed with yourself. I love it. Okay, so... Meal prepping. Let's talk just really quickly about that as we're wrapping up. Do you meal prep? Do you believe in it? Talk to us about that. I do not meal prep. I meal plan, 
Um, my husband, though, he um, has a pretty busy job. And so what I do at night is when I'm cooking dinner, I do meal prep for him and that I'll throw in like a chicken breast or tilapia or something and then some veggies for his lunch the next day. So I don't batch mm-hmm. prep, but I do um, I do cook his dinner at night when I'm cooking dinner for the rest of us. Nice. Okay. So I know when we were chatting yesterday too, you were thinking like eventually you want to get to the point where you're doing a bit more meal prepping and all of that to save yourself even more time. My goal is to meal prep for, you know, four or five, six days, maybe even a whole week at a time. But uh, I still have a long way to go. (laughs) I'll be honest, I suck at all the above, but I'm getting better at it slowly but surely. (laughs) And then something that is so easy to do if you're either meal prepping or meal planning, think about like the basics. Go back to spaghetti and meatballs. There are so many different ways you can cook a basic meal. You can do spaghetti and meatballs. Then the next week you can do like baked spaghetti. You can add um, like veggies in it, make it um, uh, like a, a, oh, I forget what it's called, but there's like a certain kind of spaghetti that's got like carrots and eggplants and, and stuff like that in there. So take a basic and try different varieties of it. That's a really, really, really easy way to really expand your recipe list. Mm-hmm. And I will say from my life experience, when I have built in so much organization and structure into my day-to-day work life, it gives me that flexibility and the time to build in time to cook and to eat well. Because when I was not structuring my days and organizing my work weeks, I literally did not have time to think about eating, to eat well, to grocery shop, to plan meals or anything. And even though I still am learning to to handle meal planning, meal prepping, eating, cooking, all of that really well, I now have time for it in my schedule that I didn't used to have. So, and I know this is getting very personal, real raw, but you know, we're all family here. So let's chat. Um, I want to learn how to manage my time well now during this season so that I can manage my time well when I'm juggling a family and kids and also still running my companies and my businesses and all of that because I don't want to constantly work and become a workaholic who doesn't know how to manage the time well and to be fully present with my kids and my family someday. So I think organization is a topic that we could talk about forever, but Rachel, do you have last minute thoughts? Yes. I think, A, we're probably going to do an episode two of this at some point because there's so many more things that we could talk about. But um, I think the most vital takeaway that I would encourage anybody listening is that you're not going to be able to do all of the things we've talked about in one day. You're not going to be able to do it in one week. I mean, just take one step. Maybe it's meal planning. Mm -hmm. Try it. It's going to take three or four weeks, maybe even longer to really get that into your routine and for it to come a little more naturally. So once you Mm -hmm. are more comfortable with incorporating one of these ideas into your routine, then try to add in a second one. And again, make it fit your lifestyle, how you work, how your family, how your friends, make it fit you. It's so good. I'm literally like over here, like internally going, ah, it's so good. <laughs> Let's do a quick recap for anyone who is like just feeling like they got fire hose with thoughts about organization and structure and time management, all of that. So first thing that we talked about was schedules, how building in a routine and a schedule in your life will help you so much with feeling inspired, focused, productive, and enjoying your not only 
work time, but also your free time. Number two is we gave a bunch of tips to staying focused, the order of work that Rachel works in and I work in, knowing what works best for you, shutting off all distractions, having a designated workspace. Number three was scheduling in time for play. That doesn't just include those breaks throughout the workday. That also includes having intentional time, multiple hours throughout the week and weekend where you can just let your brain revert to childhood and relax and imagine and play and rejuvenate your brain in a way that having that structure in your life can't. So allow time for unstructured play. And I promise your organization, your productivity will be so much better in your life. And then number four, an area of your life, not just your work that you can work on organizing that will help you so much is meal planning and or meal prepping. So scheduling out time ahead of time to think through your meals, think through planning, ordering groceries, grocery shopping, whatever that looks like for you. I promise you this is an area of organization that I've seen Rachel master and she just, it gives her no stress in life to work through it. And I stand in awe of all of this. (laughs) So Rachel, do you have final thoughts for anyone who's listening who maybe wants to be a type one organized goddess like you? (laughs) Again, it's just one step at a time. Just take one task, one area and work on getting that working how you want it. And then step two, then step three, you just, you cannot do it all at once. And I think that's so important to realize. It's so good. All right. Well, wow, this was a really fun conversation. Rachel, thank you for joining today, for being a part of this chat. I love that you brought your type oneness to the to the conversation <laughs> because it is so good. Um, I'm so excited to dive more in. I know we're going to have you back on the show pretty soon talking about a lot of other things, including virtual assistant and assistant work. So thank you for being on here today and we'll chat soon. All right. Bye, fam. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, it was so fun. Be sure to give us a review on our podcast if you haven't already. Feel free to screenshot and share on your social media. We love seeing what you're listening from. And do not hesitate to send Lindsay or myself or Rachel some messages on social media letting us know your thoughts on all of this. You can find us on the social media app platforms, apps, all the good stuff. At The Heart University is our education company at Mrs. Lindsay Roman for Lindsay, at Evie Rupp for myself. And then you can find Rachel on Instagram as well, at Hannah. And you can feel free to send her any messages as well if you learned something and were inspired by her uh, beautiful self today. So we can't wait to chat with you on the next episode. In the meantime, go kick some butt, have a great week, and we will see you on the next show. <laughs>